Welcome to the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa, where we discuss dating and other significant relationships. Hello, Poppy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. Hello, Sunshine. How are you? I am awesome, and I am so excited to dig into today's topic because uh, we have gotten some really fire responses on our Facebook post, and just the research was fascinating on this topic. Today, we're talking about withholding intimacy, and Poppy, I hope that you will go into this first with the definition because you put some stuff out there for some of our um, listeners on the the Facebook post that first of all, I thought, wow, we do need to break down. What do we mean when we say intimacy? First of all. Agreed. And I think that uh, honestly on the surface, I think a lot of people associate intimacy into just sexual stuff. And, right. you know, while kind of, you know, doing some digging and research for the topic, like we always do to come prepared and also to mm-hmm. kind of give our own personal perspective, um, I became aware that there is different um, versions of intimacy. And also, obviously, a lot of it is how we interpret it, like a lot of stuff in life. But mm-hmm. um, let's go through the different uh, levels of intimacy. So we have emotional intimacy which is a deep feeling of closeness and trust. Mm-hmm. And you can have this, you know, with friends, platonic, you know, friendships, relatives and whatnot, and obviously romantic partners. Um, physical intimacy, which is, you know, it's going to cover touching in a way that enhances feelings or closeness and desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Sexual intimacy, which combines the physical act of sex with the emotional closeness and trust. And to me, those really, really stood out. And I like how it kind of breaks them down into three separate ones. And to me, just the way that I am uh, taking all this in is that you could literally have all three forms of intimacy with an individual, or you may just share two out of three or one out of three or mm-hmm. none, depending on where you stand with the person or what phase of the relationship or romantic mm-hmm. entanglement that you're in. I love it. Uh, Oxford languages is where I got the definition of intimacy just by itself, which was close familiarity or friendship closeness uh, between people. So to me, that was, um, that was a good, like, solid intro. But when you go into those separate versions and the different quadrants, if you will, of what intimacy looks like in physical, in the emotional, in, you know, uh, in those areas, it really does start to make more of a, I guess, concentrated. You know what I'm saying? Like, intimacy in terms of, if we're just being emotionally close, if we're being physically close, it really can make or break a relationship too. One of the things that I saw uh, looking at Psych Central, uh, like going on there, the way they de- the way they described intimacy um, being something that a real relationship, whatever type of relationship it is, it cannot um, a relationship cannot grow 
without true intimacy. So if it's friendships, like we got to be able to share things with each other on a deeper level and be close in order for our relationship to grow. If we're a husband and wife or, you know, lovers or whatever, you've got to be able to share those areas of intimacy, you know, all of them in order for that relationship to grow. And so this topic came up for me because I, again, you know, being transparent, I've been on a real healing journey um, here the last six years, but for the last six months, I feel like I've gone to another level and really understanding myself, understanding why I'm still single, understanding why some relationships in my life didn't work. And one of those things I, I found was my attachment style, but intimacy within those relationships and how I attach to people. What I did when things didn't go well, um, how I could be emotionally withdrawn myself based on how I've had other relationships you know, work or not work and the right type of emotion being being poured into me. You know, it's very reciprocal when we're in an intimate relationship. So, you know, what you get out is sometimes what you put in. But sometimes you don't always get what you put in from the other person. And that can really make or break your next relationships. Uh, even, with, even with my own daughters, you know, I have to really like um, look at, you know, Am I giving them enough of what they need based on sometimes what I felt like I needed as a daughter, you know? Um, so that's a lot. But, uh, Poppy, you did some some really good research. And the article you got, uh, talk to us about that. Because that thing, I, that thing was fire for me. I'm telling you, I was reading it and lapping it up. Oh, yeah. The sapial sexual side of me came out and I was like, man, this mm -hmm. is some amazing content. And we will definitely share um, the article, uh, which uh, really, really stood out for my research. And some of this stuff I was already aware of, but this article just kind of encapsulates everything uh, into a nice, uh, clear way to kind of understand because I do feel that a lot of people kind of attach uh, intimacy solely into the physical stuff. However, um, from a lot of experts and obviously this article, it highlighted that healthy relationships need a balance of intimacy and sex and that sex doesn't always equal intimacy because let's be honest, people can casually have sex mm -hmm. and this person may not be in your intimate circle, right? Uh, or they may not know a damn thing about you on a personal level, your visions, your goals, your aspirations, all that good stuff. And listen, there's no right or wrong with that, but it's more so just to kind of create, um, you know, clarity onto what the fundamental differences are between intimacy and sex, uh, which oftentimes right. can come together and do join forces. And obviously, um, you know, being a, a, a man of 39 years old, I am well aware of what the differences are between just sex and intimate sex. Because to me, um, when you have an intimate relationship with someone, to me, it just makes everything better. Obviously, the sex, conversation, spending quality time together, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, you know, um, again, like, I think you can't really, in a, you know, because we're talking about uh, dating relationships on the show, um, having just sex 
is one area that can be very satisfying, gratifying, whatever. But if you don't have the emotional connection watered well, then things can happen. And that's one of the things that I read on the Psych Central article that I had was um, you might have a great sexual relationship at first. You know, everything's on, you know, firing on all cylinders. But if that emotional piece does not get equal attention, then one of the partners may start to have uh, sexual um, drying up, if you will, where they no longer wish to participate in the sexual component of the relationship because they're not getting their emotional stuff met. And it can be unintentional. And so when I first thought about this topic, I thought, well, are they talking about you know, withdrawal because you're trying to punish the other partner because I've seen that as well. Yeah, um, that's I never agreed with that at all personally. That just something I feel like that's nothing you should do. Like punishing people with food or sex just feels wrong to me on so many levels. But if somebody is not getting their emotional needs met, they may very well not feel like having sex. And so it's not that they withdraw it because they're trying to punish, but they withdraw because they don't feel nourished no and i um and, and that's why i think i stated that on one of the back and forth uh, dialogue that we have with the comments that sometimes the withholding of intimacy can happen unknowingly and i'll give you an example right uh for example medication right if you mm -hmm. suffer from something or if you have diabetes and you got to take medicine for something sometimes those things affect your sex drive and when you don't acknowledge that and then you are with a partner or, you know, a romantic partner and they see that, hey, you're not, you know, jumping on my bones like you used to. Uh, sometimes it's the medicine or maybe it could be your health, right? Like maybe you're you know, mm -hmm. getting, you know, you're not healthy or you're not you've let yourself go for so to speak. Right. Like that's happened to me before when I uh, got married and, you know, I used to be a big fella and I absolutely let myself go. And I absolutely um, needed to, you know, do a lot better. But when you get married and you get comfortable, you know, th that yeah. can easily happen where you kind of relax or maybe put your health on the back burner. But that also can have uh, damning effects on your relationship and yourself. That's right. That's right. And honestly, if you aren't if you aren't feeding yourself, if you aren't, you know, feeling good about yourself and in a in a you know, very grounded way, it can impact the relationship. And I think that's that's some of what I've experienced um, throughout a lot of my dating and, and marriage as well, to some degree, is that sense of not feeling worthy or not feeling good enough about myself. And so you sort of start putting boundaries and borders around yourself thinking you because you don't feel worthy the other person isn't going to see you as such or they're not going to think you're good enough or they're not going to feel like you're the right uh, fit for them in a lot of ways because you don't you don't you haven't nurtured your own inner self like you need to or physical for that matter yeah um, and also let's keep in mind too that um like for example right some of my um you know friends of you know that have children and whatnot and you know we've had some of these conversations sometimes a woman who's just giving birth just doesn't feel as confident in her body than right. prior to giving birth so therefore her sexual desire or her sexual appetite is not the same right and that doesn't mean that she doesn't 
you know, love her husband, right? Or wife or whomever her romantic partner is. It just means that she's having a tough time coming to grips with her new reality, right? Or her post-pregnancy uh, body. And, you know, f again, falling into the whole medical scope, right? That mm -hmm. uh, you don't feel sexy and you don't feel healthy. So therefore, you're not initiating sex as much or you're not becoming as outgoing as you once were because you don't feel good within your own skin. And to me, uh, those would be a couple of examples, right, of how withholding intimacy uh, can absolutely have a big impact. Uh, I'll throw another one in there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, family, right? When you start having family and kids. Yeah. Uh, and you know this better than I do. When you're a mom, that's a 24-7 gig. It does. Know, that... <laughs> it does. And you're tired. That's what a lot of people don't get. You know, just like you said with medicines, how that can can change the scope of your sexuality. Being tired. And honestly, there were times when my children were babies that I was physically spiritually I was just exhausted beyond like comprehension I had never known that type of exhaustion before uh, especially like when your kids are sick and they're up around the clock and you got to keep your eye on them with fever or you know whatever they've got going on especially when they were little and couldn't talk and, and I didn't know what was wrong with them why they were screaming and you know things were happening especially like ear infections before you know what an ear infection is as a parent that very first one was actually the worst and most scary um of of any illness i think that my kid ever had because i never experienced it as you know in my adult life i never knew what an ear infection was and so when i i had those um moments they were so scary and then i was up all night trying to figure out what was wrong you can't call the doctor you try to gotta wait till in the morning it was just like oh my god i did not sign up and know that this was a part of what parenting was about but you know, even now that my girls are older, you know, if they're out and, um, you know, not at home yet, you know, I'm trying to wait up for them. So, you know, if I feel like, you know, I can't really give all of my time and attention to somebody just yet because I feel like I need to get through, you know, this part of, of their lives and my children, you know, until I get them to adulthood. And even then, my mom is, um, you know, parent to an almost 50 year old. And, you know, there's still things I think that my mom worries about me over, you know, so, you know, being able to pay good attention to a relationship, it takes balance and it work. Um, one of the things that I really pay to with our, our listeners um, on Facebook who responded, and I'm telling you, those responses were fire. Uh, if you get a chance, please go to Jorge Medina or Nelson Weber on Facebook and check out our post about withholding. So the topic, um, as we put it, people was discussing the importance, impact, and effects withholding intimacy in romantic relationships. Let's hear your thoughts and perspectives. So uh, one of the ones that jumped right out to me, um, and this one was one that you kind of went back and forth on. Uh, one, Catherine M said, I didn't do anything wrong, so why would I withhold intimacy? I shouldn't have to suffer. Um, and your response to her was great. That, that uh, The thing is that with that can get in trouble because a lot of people trauma or they have such an amazing time in physical intimacy that it makes it challenging to walk away and will tolerate the BS and abuse way longer than they should. I wanted to jump right in right there because I think sometimes people put walls up 
because of past trauma. And so sometimes when they feel like somebody is acting similar to the way a past partner, you know, reacted or responded, then the withholding starts to begin maybe involuntarily because they've been triggered or because they've, you know, they feel like this is starting head section I've seen before. Yeah. And to me, um, to me, that's a dangerous thing, right. To like, you really have to be very, very self-aware and very disciplined uh, of what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And like I, you know, I stated in that point is that uh, when you take on that approach, right. And, you know, you know that there's issues, you know, that there's problems and red flags, but you still want to hang on, you know, strictly because the physical aspect of the romance is on point, but everything else is chaos. To me, that's dangerous because oftentimes uh, in abusive relationships, um, a lot of people hang on way longer than they should. And I've heard normally from these discussions that I've had with people and just from examples that I have seen with my own eyes um, have been normally number one, there's uh, uh, the the balance of codependency is way off, right? Where one right. person is more reliant and dependent on the other. So obviously that's going to make it a challenge to just uproot yourself and leave, right? That would be one that jumps straight out, uh, straight into my mind. Number two, is great sex, right? Um, mm -hmm. Man or woman, don't matter. Uh, when somebody gives you great sex, you don't forget that stuff, you know. And uh, having, you know, and even it makes it even a lot easier to dismiss or to overlook some of the challenges and red flags because the intimacy was that amazing, right? Or you know, the sexual yeah. experience was that amazing. And I can speak on that for men and women, right? Where mm -hmm. I've seen like, okay, this seems very chaotic, but you keep hanging on. Well, look no further. <laughs> Um, well, you know, not even just the physical act of sex, but when people are addicted to being in love and that emotional high that you can get people, uh, there was some discussion around narcissism in some of the articles in Psych Central regarding people will get you on that, that run cycle, you know, where the high of being chased and the thrill of trying to catch somebody uh, love bomb and gaslighting, you know, all those things that happen where, you know, people will love bomb you, get you back in and then emotionally withdraw to put you back in a different space with them to keep the control over the relationship. So to me, that that is almost just as dangerous, if not more than even just the sexual withholding, because, you know, it's like you keep that cycle going of, OK, now you've had enough. I'm going to pull back and see what you do. No. And then that craving, you know, the craving, the person's attention and craving that emotional connection and then not being able to get it until you're about ready to walk away. And then they hit you with that love bomb again and, you know, keep the cycle going. So, um, again, that's so dangerous with those red flags to ignore that and just go for the high of the sex or the high of the emotion as opposed to are they really you know, feeding you consistently? Are y'all connecting cons consistently? And are you talking about your issues when there is one, as opposed to somebody just clamming up, shutting down and saying, I won't give you any, or, you know, I won't even talk to you if you're not pleasing me or if, if you made me angry, you know, being able to really talk to one another 
through those emotional highs and lows is so important to really staying connected. No, I agree. And it's definitely, um, you know, something to be very mindful. Uh, I know on the surface, I think most people understand the general concept of intimacy, but obviously it goes well beyond just what happens in the sheets. Um, I do want to switch gears and also focus on some things to remember to help uh, you know, your intimacy to grow and expand, um, you know, with whomever you, you choose to, right? Um, one thing that stood out at me was anticipating your triggers. Um, mm -hmm. So if you know, right, that you have a trigger that makes it, you know, challenging for you to open up to a person, whether that be emotionally or physically, uh, then talking to that person about that up front can really set the stage for things to kind of operate smoother and efficiently. And by that, I mean, if I know a woman that suffer from, from anxiety, right. Or if I know a woman that, um, you know, has mental health issues, if she makes me aware of this and we have that conversation up front, then at least that puts me at ease to know what I'm up against and what I, you know, want to do to accommodate her and vice versa, right? Me, myself being epileptic, that is something that in the very beginning, I have to have these conversations with women, right? To let them know, hey, this is, this is my reality. And I've had some women that, you know, normally they're okay with it and they keep it moving, you know, and it's not a big issue. Now I've have had a, you know, a few women that either they thought that it was just too much or wasn't their speed or just, you know, not, not what they were looking for, which, you know, no harm done. It happens. You know, I've done that to women as well, where if they have something and I feel like it's not a good fit for my lifestyle and my health, I've done the same. So no harm done. Um, but uh, to me, when you open up yourself with some of those little intimate details that you don't do with everybody, that in itself is creating a sort of bond because you are opening up to this person. And uh, and on top of that, a lot of people sometimes, like men, for example, right? Like to me, I've heard from a lot of guys that, you know, are trying to stimulate or turn on a woman and they can't get her to do that. To men, that can be very frustrating. But sometimes it's not even anything that the man is doing or isn't doing. It's all in, you know, their head or their imagine or their um, side effects from medication or they're thinking of other things or just not locked into the moment. So to me, having those discussions up front can save you a lot of trouble because subconsciously that man can start to see that, hey, I'm not turning her on or vice versa, right? When a man is suffering from ED and, you know, the man kind of tries to brush it off or not address it, then the woman starts to think, okay, is it me? Or am I not sexy anymore? Does he not find me appealing? No, it's it's just the ED that he needs to work on. It's got nothing to do with what you're doing. Right, but the honesty is where the difference is. Um, similar to what Danette um, Merced talks about, uh, withholding, he's withholding information that could make a difference in their relationship, quite honestly, and wanting her to think it's her. As opposed to admitting I've got some, you know, dysfunction in my physical self, but said, um, you know, withholding intimacy is deliberate and intentional as a form of punishment. Uh, having a lack or lower amount of intimacy for a short period of time is simply an unintentional side effect of current miscommunication or in the term, you know, case of ED, you know, maybe physical stuff. 
with the relationship. And that's not the dynamics for everyone, but it's very common and understandable. So I think, again, like you said, having that conversation up front, if there is something going on with you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually even, then that allows the other person to know, well, first of all, do you even want to get involved if you're not involved yet? But then knowing that this is going to be a part of what we have to deal with in our relationship. And again, sometimes I will say in a relationship that can get tiring uh, in any sort of relationship, like having to deal with, you know, some form of decision or sort of issue, you know, it can get tiring for both partners depending on what's going on. But like that continued conversation, that continued communication to stay in there and try to work through it together, that what that builds that that helps to move past. Like couples who, you know, ED was an issue because of medicine and, you know, maybe the work um of one partner was very tiring and exhausting. So not just assuming the worst, but getting in there and asking each other, hey, is everything all right? Do we need to do something different? Um Again, that's how you, that's how you build collateral, I think, inside of a relationship. Like the way I handle the damage and determine how far we can go to the high end, you know? But if I was just like, you know, forget this, I'm about me and you won't give me any, then I'm at, like, to me, that's such a blanket. Um, and if you're in a real relationship, you know, a committed relationship, that can be so damaging to what you've tried to build the other partner. So death, that is, you know, one thing you want to try to avoid is, is just kind of rushing to conclusions. But if the person doesn't open up now on the other side of that is like, you got to open up and give me your truth. You got to trust to be able to handle you with. And why are we in a long-term commitment if you don't? No, and I agree. I think that um, all those things are, you know, super important to kind of get uh, each other rowing in the same direction and on the right track. But also, um, you know, creating intimacy is not just a physical thing. It can be, you know, assuming that they're, you're compatible, dreaming together, right? If you have similar or uh, aspirations that you're both are looking to do, like traveling the world, right? And sitting down and kind of talking about, hey, you know, in the next five years, I want to go get a lake house or I want to go to, you know, Spain or something like that, like things like that, like sharing some of those inner dreams that you either keep to yourself or only people that are close to you. Um, you know, talking about your vulnerabilities and insecurities. I know that's a tough conversation and I know that's not something that we have with everyone, but those people that you do have it with, you got to think that and believe that, hey, these are people that that rock with me and, you know, are ride or die with me for you know lack of a better term. Um, from an intimate perspective, um, physical intimacy, cuddling, it's just cuddling and the subtle touching or, or just showing uh, a nurturing side uh, can also uh, help your uh, intimacy grow uh, with your romantic partner or partners. <laughs> um also, uh, talking openly, right, like discussing that up front can really 
solidify right where you stand and that way you don't have to leave your partner wondering was it me was it my performance was it because i you know gain a few pounds like all those things can you know be diffused by just simple honest conversations yes yes um there is um intimacy out here um in in the world um one of those and i'm going to try to find it um but one of those is where partners learn to just sit with each other uh, holding each other's hands, learning to breathe together, doing mindfulness work together. And I know that probably sounds like, what in the world, Nelsa? But <laughs> it is so powerful to be able to sit with a person, whether it's a friend, whether it's a relative, whether it's, you know, your love partner, but to be able to sit in space together quietly, first of all, without a whole bunch of words, just holding each other's hands, breathing in and out y'all when i tell y'all the the power in that type of connection learning to sit and touch each other gently like you were talking about cuddling where we're not even talking about sexual intimacy at this point but just learning what soft touch feels like again uh learning to kiss each other again um there are some some real activities that are available to couples now and you know even couples therapy those things where you learn how to talk to each other again and reconnect to each other again are are valuable tools if you will be open and like you said the word vulnerable comes to mind with all of this with intimacy like sometimes we're withholding because we don't want to be the soft one we don't want to feel like we're being weak we don't want to feel like we're being foolish um but sometimes it requires that level of faith that if I put myself out here in my truest, honest form, then the results can be like amazing for people. And I've seen that, you know, I've, I've seen couples uh, get to the place where they thought they were ready to walk away and, and end it all as far as divorce or breaking up or whatever. But one person stops being so prideful about sharing their truth about okay let's go back to when we were dating what was the good stuff that that you saw in the other person um you know really kind of winding the clock back to those places where you fell in love or you you first found love with each other and being able to call back that sense of newness in your relationship but you know if if one of you is you know like this is how i am and this is how it's going to be like you get to control the whole narrative and that's not fair when you have a partnership. And so I would definitely call one as a coach, you know, be careful with the blanket statements that you use with your partner. You know, you're always, I never, um, this is what it's going to be. Take it or leave it. You know, those kinds of stiff arm statements really do shut down the desire to communicate and to really keep moving forward no i agree and it's definitely something that you know you have to really measure your words uh and be aware um to me uh it boils down to um you know when you're trying to grow the intimacy with uh, a person right uh i think it's important um that you feel comfortable being you around that person because if you do not feel comfortable being you 
around this person that you are trying to romantically be involved with, that's going to be a problem. It may not be a problem up front because you're, you know, using the dating representative vibes to kind of get by, but eventually for something long-term, because remember the more comfortable we get, the more familiar we get with each other, the more that people start to show a lot of sides that maybe they withhold or that they try to, uh, you know, stash away for lack of a better term, just so that you quote unquote like them. And to me, that's, that's a sucker's bet because eventually that's going to come out. And the thing is that it comes out when it's too late and you're already hooked on this person or you already had your wagon on this person and now what? So to me, it's very important to be who you are from the very beginning. Uh, and obviously, you know, when it comes to some of the intimate stuff and some of the private stuff, you know, it should be uh, like a process, right? I mean, you don't want to lay all this stuff out on the first date on a person, but as you continue to spend time together, as you continue to get to know each other, it should be like, uh, you know, leveling up and like a marathon, so to speak, not something where, all right, we got two dates to get to know each other and go. <laughs> that right. That that's right. Um, the brick city Buddha is one of the, one of the, uh, Instagram, um, people that I follow. Um, and he does some talk where people do some like, deep sexual detox, if you will, you know, um, married couples doing, um, oh gosh, uh, the word just threw, would jump right out of my mouth, but no sex, um, for a while on purpose. What? <laughs> purpose. Um, celibacy, if you will, for a period of time so that you can reconnect emotionally. Um, some interesting, interesting work on there. He's a meditation guru, um, has a podcast called Remembering Me. He's a life coach. But anyway, if you check him out on, um, it's brick underscore city, C-I-T-I -I underscore Buddha. And so it's an interesting pieces on there where you see couples learning to reconnect emotionally through celibacy. Uh, withholding sex, both of them, for the purpose of trying to move the relationship forward. And I was like, man, you know, you got to be in a really good place, though. Where yeah, I feel like that to me is a slippery slope because if you're in a strong relationship, then I could see how that would work out. Like if you're just doing that just to kind of reinforce, try reinforce, or, uh, you know, just to kind of do something together. Uh, and doing something different to kind of, you know, um, what's the, the phrase I'm looking for? Um, sometimes, you know, a little time apart can Not be good. True. A little time. But once other a little bit or whatever. Yeah. Right. But I think to me, it's, it's, a, it's important to find, to figure out what this time entails, because if you get too comfortable being apart from each other, then I feel like that could have adverse uh, effects to, uh, the exercise and I've talked to you know a lot of my friends who are married and happily married and oftentimes one thing that I have heard is that they have you know great um, chemistry in the bedroom and obviously that's not a secret but uh, best believe that are people that are happily married uh, definitely get it in <laughs> that's just the reality of it and obviously that's uh, 
part of the you know the intimate aspect uh that comes with being in a romantic relationship with someone and obviously one that's very integral and important exactly and i, I don't think the purpose of this exercise is to go for long periods <laughs> i don't think i get that impression however i think you know again where sex doesn't become the be all end all in the relationship like making sure every area of intimacy is addressed and that we're not just um because the sex is good that we're not just glossing over some other things that may need some work so again i hear what you're saying and i totally agree with it because i'm just i've never been one of those people that felt like withholding in any way is good for the relationship especially as a punishment i just agree with that um, you know, don't withhold my food, don't withhold my pleasure, but having periods of time where we can work on looking at all, it's like, am I giving you what you need emotionally? Am I supporting you spiritually? Am I, you know, meeting your need and you're meeting mine when it comes to our intellectual connection? Like all those things are so important, not just the sex. So but the sex is important too now. Don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> don't get it twisted. It's <laughs> not what we're saying. No, uh, yeah, and to me, I think also, um, you know, you have to have a good pulse on your romantic relationships, right? Because if, you, if you're already on thin ice and then you start to drift apart into from the emotional aspect and now it's it's spilling over into the physical aspect then you are teetering and flirting with uh the the as the prospects that hey we we may not continue this because to me oftentimes that seems to be a common denominator when the relationship is literally dying running in front of your eyes is when you stop having and sharing those intimate moments whether it be emotional and physical that's right. You become roommates. <laughs> yep. And shitty roommates at that. At that yes. It's but not it, the fun kind of roommates. It's like, oh, <laughs> when are you leaving? <laughs> Listen, like, uh, it's time for this to end. Look, I need you to go. Or you gonna... <laughs> like, like what, what, what's that saying goes? Y'all don't got to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of <laughs> here. <laughs> this has been another awesome, awesome podcast with you, Poppy. Thank you to everybody who is a faithful listener. If you have just experienced us for the first time, you can follow us on Spotify. You can follow us on um, the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa on our YouTube channel uh, and any other outlet where you can get podcasts. So you can find us out there um, in listening land. So uh, this has been awesome. Thank you to our listeners who follow us on Facebook and Put your input in um, for each topic. We got some other hot ones coming through uh, just in time for Love Day, right, Poppy? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we uh, we definitely hit them with a good heavy topic right before uh, the Valentine's Day celebration. So, um, yeah, I think th this was definitely a, a great discussion, a very deep discussion. And to me, it kind of gave me clarity because, yeah, I, I, you know, I pretty much had a pretty good grasp on what intimacy meant, but... Um, I never really thought about it, you know, as far as breaking it down into different fragments, which I thought was very cool and very interesting. Um, just to kind of put a bow on the conversation, 
for those that do have romantic partners or in relationships, if you want to maybe try to grow together with that intimacy, right? Uh, maybe step out of your comfort zone together. Maybe do something for the first time together. Those are all like things that can definitely help you grow uh, within your relationship. And it also be a good experience. And there's just something to be said about doing something for the first time ever with a person. Like to me, whenever I've done first things with, you know, whomever, I always remember who I did it with. So imagine that when it's somebody that you care for deeply and that you love, that just gonna, it's just gonna set, you know, the, that passion on fire even more. I love it. I love it. Well, Poppy, until next time. Have a good day, good people. Buenas noches. Thanks for joining us today on The Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. Do you have show ideas? Email us at jorgeandnelsa at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify or anchor.fm for more great shows.